Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Black Hole Cinema and our third yearly Oscars Academy Awards special episode. We are going to pick through all of the Oscar winners and losers, uh, talk about the ceremony itself, and maybe have a little look at uh, the ceremony, uh, the, the awards uh, ceremony that everyone thinks is more important and is the more important one, the Razzies. And I'm joined for this endeavour by uh, two gentlemen who joined me last year and indeed the year before to talk about the Oscars and the first one is Dan Taylor hello and followed up by Chris Wilson hello there thanks for coming back on guys it's been a while since we did a black hole cinema hasn't it it is I feel like we've slipped into a uh, time warp where we've gone back uh, a whole year yeah. <laughs> oh a black hole yeah, we've come into a black yeah. Hole. Very, very good very, very appropriate good. <laughs> yeah it's like, like putting on a familiar <laughs> pair of socks it is and we all smell like a familiar pair of socks. Well, I do, at least. Um, yeah, so it's good to have you back, guys. And uh, we're going to be trawling us, ourselves through the Oscar ceremony and all the nominees and everything like mm-hmm. that, as I say. And um, it should be very interesting. But before that, we're just going to promote a little bit about Black Hole Cinema because, obviously, we are back occasionally. And we're now part of the Black Hole Media Podcast Network. We've been recently releasing The Composers, which is a six-part series about film music with the venerable Sean Wilson, and that's uh, going to continue. But until then, we will have this, and the show's kind of coming back, isn't it, Dan? It is, absolutely, yeah. Um, We've got some plans in the pipeline um, to come back later in the month with the idea of doing a fortnightly podcast. Um, The middle-of-the-month podcast will probably be a special focusing on a specific film um you know for example um in april i'm sure it will be um uh, civil war and the um marvel uh, universe um and the one at the end of the month will basically be uh, a look back 
at all the films that have been released in that month. So we'll be releasing one uh, right at the end of March. In fact, it might be March 31st. And um, that will look back at all the films that were released um, over the next month, uh, including um, London Has Fallen, um, Kung Fu Panda 3, and obviously the, the massive juggernaut that is uh, Batman vs Superman. Yes, yes. It'll be nice to get some regular new film reviews for Black Hole Cinema going again, alongside all our other podcasts that I am somehow managing to, to do. To juggle. <laughs> to juggle. <laughs> it won't last. You know, make the most of it while it's there. <laughs> and yeah, you can obviously find us on iTunes if you just go to Black Hole Cinema. It'd be great if you could leave us a, uh, at least a five-star ranking, and I'm being optimistic <laughs> with five stars, but a ranking of some I mean, sort. Six stars, well, Six stars, ideally, yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you want to write us a little review to say how much you love us, that would be great. But uh, if not, don't worry about it. Just um, pop over there and subscribe would be enough. So enough of the spiel. Let's get down to brass tacks. The Oscars, gents. 2016, the 88th Academy Awards, hosted this year by Chris Rock after a 10, year, 10 or 11 year absence. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little chat about the ceremony. What did we make of this one? Well, uh, Chris Rock's presenting skills as a dance like better <laughs> than it was uh, last time round. Um, I think he was obviously more comfortable um, with um, the, the whole ceremony. And uh, I don't, he, you know, he does hosting on stuff like Saturday Night Live, I believe, and um, stuff like that. But he's, he's not usually a kind of front man as such. So um, I think, you know, previously when he did it, 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 he was a bit out of his comfort zone. And obviously, for somebody doing it for the first time. Um, that's not used to hosting such a big scale event. It probably was uh, quite nerve wracking for him, but this time he seemed a lot more comfortable. And I, and I guess with all the kind of controversy that he could kind of dip in and out of and um, make light of, uh, I think that helped as well. Um, and you know, the, the the ceremony dealt with it quite well. There were there were some moments where I thought it was a bit, you know, close to the. Uh, line um, <laughs> particularly the Angela Bassett <laughs> Jack Black um, <laughs> sketch um, which I thought I definitely thought they were going to rib Will Smith <laughs> um, but they didn't um, but yeah otherwise I think they dealt with it quite well I, th- I think I think that Chris Rock did pitch it yeah right I mean I, I thought I did think his speech was good his opening speech it was, it was a bit close to the bone at times and mm. you know he but he and he, he, did, he doesn't he did it in such a cheerful sort of disarming way, and mm-hmm. some of the reactions in the audience were brilliant because there was people really did not know whether to laugh. That's quite a lot of what he was saying. Mm. Um, such a, you know when he turns around and says the only the only black guys you know on their way to the Oscars are the ones being shot on the way to the cinema and stuff like that. That was a weird one because they like started clapping. Yeah, I know. I feel like, yeah. like, wait, do we beat that? Are we happy this happens? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. It was are, are we looking like smug white privileged people at this point? It was it was it was not. He did put him a bit on the ropes, and he did it in such a you know a happy way. It was he got he got away with it. So I mean, I was laughing. I, I laughed at a lot of what he did throughout the ceremony. So I think he I think it worked. And you know he was. I mean, he must have thought when all this Oscar so white stuff was kicking off, he must have thought, oh, this is fantastic. This could yeah. not have been better for me because it gave him his entire show on a silver platter, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think they when the controversy happened and they realised well hang on a minute Chris Rock is the host I think that's when they sort of played to it quite a lot because the controversy never really died down was last year a sort of similar movement started if you remember mm, and it mm. died away very quickly but this year because you've got Chris Rock hosting 
and obviously a lot of his um, humour is based around race anyway. So I think they've really played to that. Cynically speaking, uh, in hope of like getting more people tuning in for a controversy, I mean obviously the ratings have come out now and it didn't work, but I think they played to it because Chris Rock was the host. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Definitely, and, and what what do we make? Just while we're on the subject, what do we make of the Oscar so white thing? You know, I mean, it, I've I've got my opinions on it, but what did you got? What do you guys make of the whole phenomenon? Like like I say, it was um, contrived in the end. I think they tried to spin it as a PR move, and I also think it's a sort of a two-parter PR move. Considering next year, I, I, I think next mm. year comes like the positive spin, and then people tune in because of that. But like I said, I think they were hoping that people tuning this year for controversy are then tuning next year for the retribution and it's sort of not worked out that way yet. I do feel like it goes back and forth all the time. Um, You know, um, the year before 12 Years a Slave won, I don't think anybody was nominated um, of colour. And then obviously that year, uh, was it 2014 now, Mm. that obviously cleared up and so it kind of was like oh well they're you know they're taking us seriously now and I don't think that was it it was because it won on merit it didn't win because it was a film um you know directed by a black guy with uh, you know uh, you know a heavy black cast about you know black issues it wasn't about that at all it was because it was a good film directed by you know a quality director um Mm. you know with a really really strong cast um and that's why it won you know, and then you've got this year. Um, you know, you've got Will Smith's concussion, which I yeah. think might have even been released too late to be, um, you know, to qualify. And even that, you know, I've heard the reviews coming out of that saying, you know, it's it's okay, but it's it's nothing special. Um, and you know, honestly, Will Smith hasn't really made anything stand out in you know in a number of years. <laughs> After Earth, um, don't don't. <laughs> um, we'll get into the Razzies in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I'm not saying Will Smith's the only black actor on on the planet, but the thing is, obviously, he's the one that made the biggest outcry, and it just looks a bit like sour milk in 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 some respects. I think I think the the problem I have, I mean, you kind of hit on it, really. The problem I have is that the argument has been about diversity and about more black people being nominated. But it's not about. It doesn't seem to be an argument about their merit, and and this this is my this is my problem. Michael B. Jordan, I think, should have got a nomination. I'd I'd have given him one over a couple of the actors, maybe Matt Damon, although he was very good. Mm. I think he should have got a nomination. I think Ryan Coogler deserved a directorial nomination. I'd have put him over Lenny Abrahamson personally for me, right? Because Creed, uh, no, I disagree with that one. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. But like, I think Creed deserved. It didn't deserve to be best film, but I think it deserved for Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. I, I would have put them in there. That's an oversight. But honestly, I mean, and there's an argument for Idris Elba as well, for Beast of No Nation and that kind of thing, but the, the, the point is this. There were more films that were really good that had a, pr- a primarily white cast than mm-hmm. black films, than people, that films that with black characters. Black, and that may be a controversial thing to say, but tough, because, yeah, it's, well, because it's true. And th- it's not the, ar- the argument as to whether or not there's not enough black actors in these kind of roles is different. I completely agree with that. I think that's absolutely true. The argument over whether they should be nominated because they're black, for me, that, that's, that's ridiculous. They should be nominated because they're good enough. And 12 Years a Slave was a perfect example of a film that was about black culture, horrible black culture, obviously, with the slavery, but it was so good, and it was that it deserved everything. That's my problem, and I think this yeah. is where 
it's become an argument that it's about tokenism, which I think is horrible. They shouldn't be there because they're black. Race shouldn't come into it. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think the problem really, and I think so on that call, I think, was it Morgan Freeman that said it, but the problem starts at the beginning if that yeah, there's no films being made uh, basically for black actors yeah. to be in. You know, it starts at the very beginning from who's producing it, who's directing it, who's casting it. Because, you know, Hollywood is still an old, a white old boys club at the end of the day. Oh, I'm not denying and, that, definitely, yeah. And there's got to be something done that breaks that. And then from that, you know, the uh, ethnic minorities then are able to get nominated on merit and tokenism, as you say. Yeah. I don't know whether it's maybe it's just the roles they're, they're taking, um, but obviously, particularly the comedic. Um, um, actors of colour are going into what can only be considered as damn awful films they're not just bad comedies mm. they're badly made films and I don't know if that's just all the roles that are available for them and that maybe that has some truth in it probably um, but you know if they're making those films that they're and they're completely black they're black on purpose and yeah. on the opposite side they've then got the token white guy in it um, and so it's it's both sides, in, in some respects, can be as bad as each other, um, and I don't necessarily think the Oscars are to blame um, for the lack of, um, you know, black diversity. It does start the root problem is at the bottom is the fact that there are not enough roles available. Yeah. There are not enough actors coming through. Um, they're perhaps not getting the kind of training um, and um, support. Um, that, that they need to, de- to you know to develop their craft, and that probably comes from uh, the whole social economic kind of um, framework of of what America is. Is that it's all rich white guys and, and stuff like that, and um, you know, so it's, it's it's an overall cultural problem. It's mm. not just mm. an issue in Hollywood. It's not just an issue for the Oscars. It's an issue kind of you know globally on on involving everything. The, the Oscars has always been a good drum to bang issues on, isn't it? Really, you know, mm. and that yeah. it was so it was always going to. And Chris, is, I think he's absolutely right. I think it's a PR, a heavy PR thing in the end, and I think there's certain people cashing in on it really. But I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the argument. I'm not interested in it. It's not what it should be about. And what you've said is absolutely right, Dan. It's it's it should be about the grassroots. These guys being given the roles. It shouldn't be about whether or not your black people get nominated. That, like you said, that will come from the other, but. The uh, the other obvious controversy was um, the the gaffes from the repeated gaffes from Sam Smith, <laughs> who uh, put his foot right fucking in it, didn't he? Oh. More than once, he didn't. He didn't only win for something that everyone was like, "What? What? Shit! Uh, uh, just just it's not even a good pop song, let alone a good Bond song, let alone a good Ooh, song yeah. for film." It was well, to, you know, to be fair, I wasn't really familiar with anything else in that category. Yeah, there was that um, guy who, who sang who looked like he had a like a hand on his head that was his mm. hair. I don't know who he yeah. was, but that was for shades of grey. Yeah. He looked ridiculous. But yeah. just it, it didn't help that it didn't necessarily deserve to win. And it is a difficult one because um, Bonzong's are, are difficult because they can be so fantastic. Um, you know, you only have to look at the fact that he had he was following Adele. That that's kind yeah. of what he's following. You know, um, so from that point of view. Um, 
you know, he, he, was, he was always fighting an uphill battle. Um, but I just remember when it was released, nobody liked it. And <laughs> still no one likes it. And there's a lot of people that go, the first bit of the film was very good. And then Sam Smith starts singing and the whole film kind of <laughs> gradually falls away. And <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad song. I think it's the wrong person mm. singing it. That, that, that's mm. what I've said from the very beginning. You know, that song, mm-hmm. if you gave that song to a, a Shirley Bassey female voice... It would be it would be a lot better, I think. So he's just, yeah. he's just the wrong person, and he proved it because he was bloody awful uh, he, when he sang it live. He, and he even admitted it afterwards. He was terrible. He was so terrible. Mm. And it's yeah, and th- but then obviously it wasn't that, that that he put his foot in before. It was for him saying he was the first openly gay <laughs> man to win an Oscar for music, and um, mm. he clearly has never heard of Elton John, mm-hmm. you know, for a start. And it's just it, it just typifies somebody who is bought into his own hype I think mm, so far up his own ass. yeah <laughs> and and then did you hear what happened afterwards in the after parties yeah. well, there, was, there was lots of tweeting going on yeah because um, obviously it dunst, uh, Dustin Lance uh, uh, well he, well, he's going to be Tom Daly's husband one day, isn't he? So we'll, we'll call him Daly already. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't remember. No, I can't remember his name. He obviously was the first person I think that tweeted was like, "All right, come on, you know." There were other people. I made milk for God's sake. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and somebody else said uh, in one of the after parties apparently to him that there was a. Did you ever? I can't remember his name now, but did you ever hear of Michael something who uh, wrote the songs to? Um, the, the, the Little Mermaid and, and things like that back in the, like, the mm-hmm. early 90s and he went oh yeah I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to spend the night with him the man died of AIDS like in 1991 or something like that and then everyone went Sam <laughs> <laughs> you just know my call don't you put down the champagne Sam yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just oh dear um, a less perhaps a less controversial one although one that I think from the comedious perspective was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen sneaking Ali G in <laughs> which uh, apparently Osler Fisher was, was backstage putting his beard on because they, t- they said to him no jokes no pranks Sasha you go on there as yourself apparently this is what's been said anyway but then he came yeah. on as Ali G and resurrected Ali G what do we think of Ali G it, it, it says a lot that we've got Grinsby coming out in America <laughs> soon and it's already buried it <laughs> yeah that's what I was going to say he didn't come on as Grimsby what <laughs> Well, I've got to say, given we're on the subject, Chris, you're, you're not seen it yet. You're a man. You're yeah. a, you're a resident of Grimsby. Yeah. yeah, you've not seen it. Are you, are you planning yeah. to? Well, yeah, I've seen it on Friday, but I'm waiting for my whole family to get their acts together so I can go see it with them. Yeah. Um, Have there been picket lines and all kinds of things? Nah. It, it, well, it was a story that our local paper was. It, they were quite offended for a long time. And then the film came out, and a load of local people said, "Yeah, we quite liked it. Actually, it was funny." And then they've not mentioned it again, even though it's not even been a week yet since it's been out. Um, I don't. Does anyone really? Does anyone really care? This is the thing. I'm not sure people really care. Do they? Maybe not, not even very, people no. in Grimsby. You got better, <laughs> more important things to worry about, probably, haven't you? <laughs> the thing is uh, about people in Grimsby. They realise it's a shithole, but it's our shithole. If you get what I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's own, but we acknowledge, yeah, it could be better, but it's just a film, really. There'll yeah. be people listening to this podcast going, didn't even know Grimsby was a place, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. This is it, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was a bit, it was a bit strained as Ali G. But we're, mm. we're talking, we're talking about all the bad stuff. Were there any highlights for you guys? Was there anything that 
that worked in terms of the actual ceremony? Well, I started skipping quite quickly. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got this is the first time I've actually watched a lot of the uh, the Academy Awards in preparation for this podcast, and I sort of got a bit bored halfway through because. I was thinking, great for like handing out awards this will be over soon, but suddenly <laughs> on comes a song and on comes the real about one of the best films and it just gets a bit procedural, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And yeah, it just gets a bit boring after a while. And going back to Chris Rock as well, the, the jokes got a bit samey and I was like, yeah, lost interest mm. now. I did, I did like his interviewing of, of the the public and giving their Oscar speeches and things like that I thought that was quite good I thought he pitched that quite well and I, I think my one of my favourite bits was Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe they were a great double act I don't know if you saw oh yeah, but, yeah but that one's quite good yeah but, but that's quite they, a funny one they were funny you know it was like well, why these two need to do a comedy together <laughs> well after seeing the big short I didn't I didn't even know um, Gosling was funny <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah, realise how funny he was <laughs> He's got a good talent for that, actually. He should mm. give it a go. Yeah. Mm. Played deadpan for, for the last few years, drive and lack of personality-type roles, that suddenly, actually, to see him crack a smile was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, as well, I, w- I would say now, I really want Louis C.K. to host this next year. Because his, his bit was really good. And, you know, he's good anyway, isn't he, really? But I think he'd do it well, Louis C.K. Mm. Well... Anyone's better than Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like you look back at it now and you think the Ellen selfie for fuck's sake. Wow. <laughs> it was that's, yeah. an, that's an Oscar low. <laughs> Bring back Seth MacFarlane, I say. <laughs> Just dead yeah. silence, uh, like. <laughs> oh yeah, my funniest, uh, my favourite bit of the Oscars actually was um, when Jared Leto was out. And the both of his jokes died. Yeah, <laughs> I just found it hilarious. That was great because we talked. Didn't we was it was it last year or the year before about how much of a tit he is? It, I think it, it was a year. It was a year before because he won best supporting actor That's for right. Dallas Buyers yeah. Club, didn't he? And yeah. I, I just absolutely mm. hate him because I hate his band as well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so. he, he chose to talk about the plight of the Ukraine, didn't he? And we were like, "Fuck off, Jared." Yeah. <laughs> You're just as Jesus. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas DiCaprio talks about uh, melting ice caps, and everyone's like, "Oh, is he amazing?" Yeah. Well, he's more charming, isn't he, than Jared Leto? That's the thing. Um, yeah. So he, he gets he gets away um, with it. Yeah, but, but I did see the thing. Sorry about uh, DiCaprio, where someone published what is roughly the uh, carbon footprint it must have uh, cost to do the development. Um, yeah. In was it Argentina mm. they filmed? I'm yeah. getting like 439 crew members over to Argentina and back. Yeah. Well, from, from Canada, because that's where they were originally filming. Um, that's where some of it's filmed, but it didn't quite work out because it wasn't cold enough. <laughs> that, is, that is quietly, yeah, ignored, isn't it? I think the, yeah. the, other, the, other, the other joke that died on its ass was the Stacey Dash thing, wasn't it? Cause oh, God. I, I didn't know who that was at first. I was like, who's, who's that? And then afterwards, I was just. Hair okay. from Poolers. That yeah, and that was just painful because everyone, if even if they got it, I think they were like, nah, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I had to read about it afterwards because apparently she's uh, put it on Fox News now, which and is oh. uh, yeah, it, it, quite controversial views, and it just didn't work. No, no. And I think it made everyone just go, who the fuck is this? Which they've been doing on Twitter for a while, but I think it just cemented that. It's like, who the fuck are you? Go away. 
Uh, finally, I think the, the one nice thing, the one one of the nice things was um, Dave Grohl singing over the In Memoriam. I thought that was mm. good. I thought he yeah. did that very well, and uh, it just seemed a very long In Memoriam, didn't it? This year, mm-hmm. yeah. well, everyone died this year, well, they <laughs> and they're still yeah. dying. It's like I remember yeah. watching the ba- the BAFTA one. It was just just a face after. Like usually, you watch it, particularly obviously the Oscar one, because um, you know you get the Americans put in that you don't recognise. Um, and usually you sit there and watch it, don't know them, don't know them, don't know them. But literally, pretty much everybody were like, oh, 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 yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, yeah, so it was, it was quite a hard watch again this year. Yeah, it was sad. And I, I was quite happy that Leonard Nimoy got the final one. That was mm. nice, because I thought that would be Bowie, to be fair. Yeah, but, yeah, I did too. But there you go. But no, it was, it was, I thought it was okay. I think, yeah, I think I was skipping, definitely skipping bits, and some bits... Typical Oscars, really. Some bits worked okay. Some bits fell on, the, on its face, and uh, yeah, it way was, too long. It, yeah, it's still too yeah. long. <laughs> Even though it's probably a bit shorter than it used to be, there seems to be less pointless musical numbers than they used to have. But mm. it's still, yeah, at nearly three hours, it's still too long. It could still do with shaving a good half hour, if not more. But yeah, before we get into talking about the actual nominations and awards and winners, we're gonna. Take a slight swerve to talk about the um, the ones that the ones that really matter, the Razzies. Do you guys know any of the Razzies results or any of the films nominated? Um, yes, I am looking. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've looked through now, and I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I got lucky this year. I think I avoided all of the uh, ones that won. Oh, hilariously, I think I had to see them all. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen <laughs> most much. of these. <laughs> it's um let well let, let's let's go through some of them. Let's go through the main ones. Um worst uh screenplay went to Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey will be a recurring theme here. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh that was up against again, pretty much the same films throughout all of this, which is Fantastic Four, Jupiter Ascending, Paul Blart Oh I did see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Blart Mockup two and Pixels. Mm. So I think um, Jupiter Ascending in screenplays is a little unfair. I think it was just an overall, you know, explosion of shit on screen. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> not. Ne- I'm sure on page it, re- it you know it read quite well. Well, maybe. Um, yeah. It might. But have been. you know. But like you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, Paul Blart, fucking Wall Cop Two, and Pixels definitely read incredibly badly and looked yeah. as badly on screen as they did on page, on paper. Um, and Fantastic Four, I don't know how you can quite say worse screenplay, because obviously if the rumours are true, hardly any of the actual screenplay yeah. ended up on screen, and it was mostly just made up. I also think it's a bit unfair to give worst director to Josh Trank, because mm. yeah. I, I really, he was he was a victim of the studio system. It wasn't particularly his fault, completely. Mm. And uh, no, when, when you've also got in there Andy Fickman, who did Paul Blart Mork Up 2, and Sam mm. Taylor-Johnson... Uh, the Wachowskis, but crucially, Tom Six. Surely, for Human Centipede Three, that's a clear winner. Mm. But you know, it had probably turned up and accepted the award as well. Yeah, <laughs> more than likely. For worst screen combo, um, these are quite funny actually. All mm. four Fantastics from Fantastic Four, <laughs> and um, I think that's unfair on Michael B. Jordan. To be fair, <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and Jamie and Jamie Bell because he was human. Yeah, you know, for only like an hour. Yeah, that. again, I don't think it's really the actor's fault. Um, no. Johnny Depp and his glued on moustache for Mordecai <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Kevin James and either his Sigu 
or his glued-on moustache, Paul Blart mock-up too, and Adam Sandler and any pair of shoes, the cobbler. <laughs> but the winners were Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson for Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do remember us discussing their lack of chemistry, so um, yeah, that's yeah. pretty pretty fair. But, yeah. but as you said, you know, um, I think it's unfair to have the Fantastic Four actors in there. I'd have much rather seen um, you know, Kevin James and Adam Sandler for fucking Pixels. Cause... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, speaking of pixels, that's one on um, Worst Supporting Actress, which uh, was for Michelle Monaghan. Also, Julianne Moore for Seventh Son, Amanda Seyfried for Love the Coopers, uh, Love the Coopers and Pan, um, Rooney Mara for Pan. So Rooney Mara has the distinction of being nominated <laughs> in both the worst and best this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the winner was Kaylee Kuoko oh. Sweeting for both Alvin and the Chipmunks Road Chip and The Wedding Ringer. Definitely for The Wedding Ringer because she was terrible in that, which was a terrible film. Mm. Yeah, poor Julianne Moore as Big well, following thing. an Oscar win with a you know an almost oh. Razzie. <laughs> it was it was bizarre because it's one it's been one of those that that was the start of last year, wasn't it? With because mm. Julianne Moore obviously and Eddie Redmayne were both yeah. you know <laughs> Oscar winners. They, they, they were yeah. both up, they obviously won their categories, whereas at the same time during their campaign before the Oscars, they both had uh, some of the worst films of the year come out. So yeah. it was yeah. really. It, it was a good thing for both of them. It didn't derail it like I don't know mm. Norbert did for Eddie Murphy. Well, exactly. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne, of course, won Jupiter Ascending for Worst Supporting Actor with his painful villain <laughs> voice. Which, to be fair, I think it's unfair because I think he's brilliant. He's the only thing that kept me interested in that in that film for after a while. When he just comes on like this, I'm going to kill you all. That was not great. He's great. <laughs> he's just terrible. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a great representation of someone struggling with constipation. <laughs> yeah. Um, worst actress went to Dakota Johnson for Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, she was up against luminaries such as Mila Kunis for Jupiter Ascending, Gwyneth Paltrow for Mordecai, um, Catherine Heigl for Home Sweet Hell, never even heard of it, and Jennifer Lopez for The Boy Next Door, which I might have given it to Jen, to J-Lo, because that film was yeah. terrible. That year it was, yeah. Yeah, I... I... Yeah, I saw and reviewed Home Sweet Hell last year, um, and I think that's unfair for it to be. Not, it wasn't a great film, but you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily um, Boy Next Door or Mordecai kind of bad. Yeah. So. Again, again, I think I think it's slightly unfair to give this give worst actor to Jamie Dornan as well. We're not given given he's up against Kevin James, mm-hmm. Adam, Sandler, Adam Sandler, and especially Johnny Depp, who frankly deserved it for Mordecai, really, yeah. um, which was. Diabol- his diabolical Terry Thomas impression, which was, mm. you know... And Channing Tatum actually kind of personified all the reasons why I don't think he's a very good actor in Jupiter Ascending. So, you know, um, when everyone goes, oh, you know, Channing Tatum, yeah, no, he's, he's all right. You know, he's done some good stuff. And they go, well, Jupiter Ascending, that he did that. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, he's never going to be let off that one. Worst Picture had uh, for nominations Pixels... Paul Blart Mork up to obviously recurring themes here Jupiter Ascending but the winners the joint winners were Fantastic Four and Fifty Shades of Grey now again I think it's unfair to really lambast Fantastic Four like this because mm. I thought it, I didn't think it was very good and the, the no. last half hour especially is terrible because it's a different film but that is just a really sad example of a film that just got destroyed while, mm. while making it I really think you know when you've got films being made like Paul Blart Mork up to which is just pathetic you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing is worse. I mean, the Fantastic Four at least had some ideas and some good actors and and things. So I, I think it's just unfair to leap on that bandwagon. 
Yeah, I, 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 when we reviewed the film, I remember saying, "Yes, it's not a very good film, but it's 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 not the worst film of the year. It's certainly no. not the worst film of all time." No. Um, so you know, for it to, win, to you know to be joint winner next to Fifty Shades of Grey, and even then, Fifty Shades of Grey is you know as shit as it is, there are people out there that like it and enjoy it, um, and they would probably defend the fact that it's it's you know probably will say it's a good film, but I think even people that like pixels or poor blood will cut to uh, are going to agree it's a crap film well also this this gives them a bit too much currency because they're, they're, they're just they're just dull you know and mm-hmm. I, I i would rather see the razzies really go to you know be be for films that are like troll two levels of bad that people actually want to go and watch these mm-hmm. are films that i just never want to see again not because they're, no. they're terrible they're just shit they're just boring there's nothing to them and it's just like, mm. I, I, give me give me some Razzie pictures that are really diabolical, but fun diabolical. I mean, how Unfinished Business isn't in here as well, I do not mm. know. How Vince Vaughn didn't get in here, I do not know. It's just, it's bizarre. Maybe, mm. maybe, it, didn't, it, maybe it wasn't eligible, I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it, it's because um, for Razzies these days, it tends to jump on the bandwagon of what's yeah. been seen as really shit over here. So mm. Unfinished Business really... It was a blip, you know. No one hardly remembers it. Whereas all the films that made the worst picture at the point they were released, everyone was talking about how shit they were. Yeah. Mm. The, to, to, be, to be fair, the one that you know, kind of on the category you're kind of talking about, ones that are really bad that you've kind of got to watch it. The kind of only one there is Human Centipede Three. You've kind of got to yeah. watch it to, to kind of see how bad. It's like just just Human Centipede in general, the whole franchise. You've kind of got to watch it to see what people are talking about well, I, well I've, I've seen the first two unfortunately mm. so yeah eventually I'm going to have to sit through this because if I've put myself through number two which is one of the most vile pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen I've got to finish it now you know I, I just have to unfortunately there was one good piece of news though for the Razzie Redeemer Award mm. uh, which uh, featured Elizabeth Banks as a, as a nominee um, for multiple hit movies this year M. Night Shyamalan um, perennial Razzie nominee and winner this year, director of The Visit, which wasn't half bad, Will Smith for following up After Earth with Concussion. Um, although there's an argument that he I was having... Don't he, know about that. <laughs> there's an argument he had a concussion while he was making After Earth, but that's another story. <laughs> and uh, the winner was somebody who, frankly, shouldn't be winning in this side of the fence. Sylvester Stallone, uh, all-time Razzie champ, award contender for Creed. Now, it's such a shame that Sly has only got one award from here because he deserved more. Mm. But at least he's got something <laughs> this year. But yeah, it was it was yeah not the best Razzies really. But yeah, so moving on, let's get into the actual Oscars and the actual awards because we obviously picked out in, in advance and we put on the blog our own predi- predictions, didn't we? Um, for quite a lot of the ca- of the um, of the of the nominated ca- categories, not all of them, but quite a lot of them. So what I thought we'd do is we'd go through in the order that they went through in the Oscars. And pick them out. So we start with best original screenplay. So let's have a look at what you guys, what we all put for best mm-hmm. original screenplay. Yeah, we all went for Spotlight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, well done. We got that right. That was up against Straight Outta Compton, Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, and Inside Out. So I think uh, I think that was a deserved winner because I think the script for Spotlight was was cracking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. um, I don't really think there was anything that kind of came close. Um, then there were lots of people saying, "Oh, it would have been nice for Inside Out to have won it," because um, um, I, I believe it would have been the first animated 
film to have, have got a writing credit. Um, you know, but you know, Bridge of Spies is fine. It's okay, but it's nothing special. Um, Ex Machina. What really makes that film is is obviously the, the you know the visual effects um, and the acting of the yeah. the, the the particularly of, of Vikander and um, Oscar Isaacs. Um, Straight Up Compton, I guess that probably was the the second one on that list, maybe. Um, but Spotlight was definitely the standout winner. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Forensic script, but a really really tight one and a good one. The next one was Best Adapted Screenplay, and for that one, uh, we went for... Dan and I went for The Martian by Drew Goddard, and Chris, you went for Room by Emma Donoghue, adapting her own novel. Love it. Um, and the, we were, none of us were right, <laughs> because uh, the big short one. Do you, think that, do you guys think that should have won this category? No. Uh, um, I mean, I mean I've only read for room in its original form well they're totally I've also read The Martian but I wasn't a fan of The Martian actually in terms of actual quality of script I'd say Room was the better film definitely but Big Show I thought it was a bit patronising in places and I think that was the point but I, I just don't think that the elements that I was trying to juggle worked that well. I, th- I think part of the reason it won this is because of the source material it was adapting. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's from maybe I'm completely wrong, but from what I know, it's it's a it's a non-fiction book, and um, yeah, and it's and it's and it's it quite quite you know. Um, Depth, depthy. You know, it's got quite a lot of information in there to kind of take in, and it's a good solid breakdown of actually what happened. Mm. Um, so to then take that and to put it into an entertainment piece, um, which the big short was, you know, I had you know had a laugh watching it, um, and um, you know, to make something so, you know, something that was actually quite a big deal, um, you know, you know, back in uh, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Um, to make it actually almost light-hearted in places, um, you know, it was quite an achievement. Um, but and because it didn't necessarily win um, anywhere else, I think it was, I'm glad it picked something up. Um, but considering what else was in this category, this was such a tight category in comparison to I think the original screenplay um, that maybe it could have it could have really gone gone in any kind of direction. I think. Well, the the other ones involved obviously were um, Brooklyn and Carol. Now, Carol. I, the Big Short is the only one I haven't seen. If I'm honest, I wanted The Martian because I think, having read the book, which is also really good, I think the script really adapted that book well, and it, it was it was great in that sense, and it really rolled along. Uh, just about The Martian, I thought the screenplay was really good. Well, you know, because I said I didn't like the novel, but they did a fantastic job with the screenplay. Mm. I will mm. say, yeah, he, he adapted that really, really well. And I think, however, I might otherwise have given this to Carol. Because even though I don't think Carol is as great a film as a lot of people say, I think its script was good. So mm, it, is a, it was a tight one. It was a very tight one. I do agree. Probably one of the tightest actually in the in the entire lot. This. Mm, yeah. um, moving on, the next one was Best Supporting Actress, which is quite a big one. And for this, uh, we went for Chris. You went for yeah. You went for Jennifer De- Jason Lee, as did I in the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And Dan, you went for uh, Alicia Vikander. So that's one I for did. you. You win. Yeah. <laughs> you um, win. No. on the scoreboard. Yeah, I will say though, um, I've got a real issue 
with this category in general um, this year. Um, and I don't know if there are, I've maybe thought about it before, but the fact is, is Alicia Vikander was as much the lead in The Danish Girl. In fact, it was almost as much her film as it was uh, Lily's film. Um, so I think it was unfair necessarily for her to be in this category where she could quite easily have been in the best actress category um, you know I think she felt strategic though yeah. uh, whatever like putting forth the nominations I think they realised she should probably have a better chance there yeah maybe but it's, it's the same as Kate Winslet as well um, you know obviously it was, Steve, it was a film about Steve Jobs and, and Faust Bender was, was fantastic in it but again Kate Winslet played as big a role um, in, in the film in general she probably had maybe not exactly the same amount of screen time but was on, on screen um, you know for a good 75% of the film mm. um, so for those two in comparison to Rachel McAdams for example um, who, you know, was just part of the machine, and the same could be said about uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. She was just part of this ensemble cast. Um, you know, uh, Vikander and Winslet, and, and Mara to an extent, but obviously that means them putting her up against um, Kate Blanchett. Um, you know, they, they didn't really play supporting roles in those films at all. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, Danish Girl I haven't seen yet. So I can't comment on Vikander. I like her as an actress. I like. I, I think she's good. I think she's got a great future. Mm. But I can't comment on whether she should have won. I think what I liked about Jennifer Jason Lee was the fact that she was the central sort of cog in the machine of the Hateful Eight. And mm. even though she didn't always get a massive amount to do, she was. She she went through a fucking real gut wrenching ride through that film. And she she's she snaps into pure. You know, viciousness quite brilliantly. You know, in, yeah. in the face of everything, and the rest of them were were in quite functional roles. Like you know, Rachel McAdams was good in Spotlight, but like you said, she's part of a machine. Rooney Mara. I actually, I actually think she was the weakest part of that. Film. Well, she was part. Yeah, she was part of a of a bigger cog. There were there were stronger actors. The Rooney Mara. I just don't think she's she's at the level of this really no. for me. I th- I think she's um. She's just not quite got there yet. No, you know, I think no. she's a few. She's a, not not much older than Alicia Vikander, but Alicia Vikander is already doing top quality work. Mm. Um, you know, I guess in the same vein as um, you know how Jennifer Lawrence has very quickly gone from supporting actor to you know to, to best actress, and you know he's one of the biggest um, young actors. Um, you know, in Hollywood right now, and I, I actually think Bacan is going to be um, maybe not equal to her because she hasn't got that big franchise under her belt yet. Um, but you know, she's got a very promising future, which I, I think, for whatever reason, Rooney Mara is struggling with because she, I think, she's an equally good actress. She's just not quite got that role yet. Mm, yeah. So, so it was it was an interesting category, but yeah, I can't. I can't comment on whether Vikander deserved it. I'll find out soon. But uh, mm. I think I think a lot of people would have gone with her, really. Um, yeah, she was good. In, in, she was good in a subpar film. Yeah, she was yeah. definitely by the best thing about it. That's the yeah. general yeah. consensus. And, and, and also, you know, you've kind of got to take into account ex machina as well. That don't, you know, I think, yeah. um, you know, people that say, "Oh no, it's just on the film." I think that's wrong. You know, at the end of the day, ex machina is also been nominated this year, so it kind of comes under the uh, two thousand and fifteen sixteen brackets. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, you know, it's, you know we should think about these films because as we mentioned earlier about, um, you know, how you know, a film, a bad film can f- potentially affect... Um, an award-winning performance, um, you know, on the same token, uh, an equally good performance can then promote you above everybody else in that category. Definitely, definitely. The next one was a slam dunk, really. Best costume design, uh, mm. and Chris didn't. Chris didn't um, vote for this one, but Dan and I. Yeah, I, I didn't realise it was mandatory. In all fairness, yeah, I just picked and choose random categories well, that you, I thought you, I had a good shout I, on. You <laughs> both should have known better, frankly. Yeah, um, I, I would have picked Mad Max for record. Yeah, okay. Je- Jenny Bevan won yeah. for Mad Max. That's what both of us said. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, absolute slam dunk, really, against Carol mm-hmm, Cinderella, yeah. the Danish girl, and the Revenant. Um, no contest. No contest. I did quite like the way she came up on stage, rocking like a leather jacket. Not really she did much the, of a shit. She did the same with the Baftas. I thought it was hilarious. And actually, um, Stephen Fry took the piss out of her as well on the oh, Baftas. Yeah, she, she was the, the bad lady. Crazy bag lady. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the poor man was hounded off Twitter for it, even though yeah. she, their mates, and she took it as a joke. Yeah, yeah idiots. Yeah, um, but no. In 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 this category, um, there was nothing particularly special um, particularly about Danish Girl Cinderella and, and Carol they you know very you know yes they, they look very nice but there's nothing unique about them no. um, whereas obviously the costumes in Mad Max and to a degree The Revenant because um, obviously it is more of a period piece um, you know there's a little bit more going on um, and it's not just about sparkles and glitter no exactly Next up, uh, we had production design, best production design, which uh, Chris and I, Dan didn't vote for this one, but Chris and I both said um, Mad Max Fury Road again, and Mad Max Fury yeah. Road won again. I think there was some good production design, I think, with some of these. You know, Bridge of Spies, The Danish Girl, The Martian, The Revenant. I'm not taking anything away from those, but Mad Max was such a unique, mm-hmm. amazing visual spectacle that I don't think this, this had to go anywhere else, did it? No, no about to say, again, no contest. Well, exactly. I, I, I think I 
you know, um, even though I didn't submit them, uh, um, you know, when looking through, Mad Max kind of ticked all of the um, kind of technical boxes pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that, that's exactly kind of what it went on to do. Absolutely, absolutely. The next one was Best Makeup and Hair, which because we're not girls, none of us bothered to vote for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, that, one, that one for Mad Max Fury Road against uh, the 100-year-old man who climbed out of a window and disappeared and the Revenant. Um, but yeah, again, another slam dunk. Let's not even really bother talking much about that one. Best cinematography is the next one. Now, Chris and I both said Emmanuel Lubeski for The Revenant. Dan, you went for John Seal for Mad Max Fury Road, which I think was more than fair enough. Um, it was, but yeah. Lubeski won for this one. And I, I would say, again, this was there were some good ones here. I mean, that you could you could argue mm-hmm. for The Hateful Eight as well, really. And I think... Yeah, but... So- so, sorry, in terms of uh, categories, you'd say this is probably the strongest yeah. start of every out of all of them mm. for a whole night. Absolutely, because Carol was there as well, and Sicario. Sicario didn't get much love, did it? Really? No, no. this is just shame because it was one of the best songs of last year, in my opinion. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to who that cinematographer was. Yeah, Roger Deakins, um, wasn't it? And Scar? you know, he's been snubbed time and time again, nineteen but, times think, now. Yeah. Oh my and, goodness! Really. Uh, that's yeah. what I mean, and the fact is, Lebetsky's won three times in a row, um, and uh, what's it for, for Gravity, um, Birdman, and The Revenant, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, so he's won, you know, three times on the trot. Um, you know, is Deacon's ever going to bag one? Um, you know, himself, and you know, maybe he made the wrong choice this year. Sicario um, was was a good mm. film, but as as we said, didn't has, hasn't got a lot of love, um, and maybe. Which is baffling to me, really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be one that gets, gets you know, a, a retrospective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I think it will. Next up, we have best editing, uh, which was between uh, the Big Short, Mad Max Fury Road, The Revenant, Spotlight, and Star Wars: The Force Awakens. What did you guys go for for editing? Um, I actually thought Star Wars might nick this one. Um, yeah. Simply because um, I didn't know if it would get anything else, mm. um, and I I kind of thought that the Academy would want to to give it something, and it didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Chris and I both went for Mad Max Fury Road, yeah. um, which won for Margaret Sixel, which you can see what you mean, Dan. To be fair, but I think I can't see past Mad Max for this. No. I mean, and, it, it was so amazingly put together. Yeah. There's a fantastic video online that's just gone up comparing the editor of Fury Road to four different films and what this person has done is it's sped up the footage by ten times Mm. and the film still makes sense sped up whereas all the other ones are just like a jumbled song of images and I think that's where Mad Max is so great with the editing that it's just so smooth all the way through. It's very mm. precise. Well, yeah. the, the interesting thing about um, Margaret Sixel is obviously she is actually George Miller's wife. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. So didn't know that, the no. fact that he didn't win, it's nice that his missus got something. Um, <laughs> and, um, and actually, she very, very interesting woman um, about how she edits. She edits completely silent. She doesn't have any noise, dialogue, wow. nothing. She edits completely looking at imagery, um, and that's how she puts the film together. So actually then when best sound mixing and best sound editing come along, they do their job and put it together afterwards, looking at the imagery that she's put together, um, meaning that there is, you know, I guess there's less kind of group work going on, but actually it means you can appreciate the individual effort that little bit more. 
Well, that, that's a good cue to, to bring those in, actually. Best sound editing and best sound mixing, which kind of tie in together. And Mad Max cleaned up again for those. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said the same. Chris and I both went for that. I'm, I, I don't know what you were going for, Dan, but it was... Definitely the same. Yeah, yeah The Martian, The Revenant, Sicario, uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Bridge of Spies for sound mixing as well. Mm-hmm. But the same kind of suspects, really. And, uh, yeah, Mad Max, again, couldn't really see past that one. Does anyone know the difference between sound editing and sound mixing yet? Yeah, and I think I have watched a video last year, kind of after we had that conversation. Um, can you remember God, it? No, God knows what it was. No, I'll try, and find the vi- I'll try and find the video so we can put it on the blog so we all know the difference. Yeah, see if you can dig it out. Um, uh, the next major one was uh, Best Visual Effects and... Um, Chris and I both went for Mad Max Fury Road, but um, this one threw a curveball because out of that, mm. The Martian, The Revenant, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Ex Machina won. So, yeah. what do we think of that one? Surprised, but I'm happy because yeah. it's a good film. Yeah. Mm. Again, um, kind of going and doing a little bit of research into into this one again. It, it the work that went into Ex Machina um, is um, you know mind blowing. Uh, the fact is is that the only thing that they use of Alicia Vikander is her face. The whole film, even yeah. when she looks human, it's not. It's it's all it's all visual effects. Um, you know, they, you know, they don't use her hands, her feet, uh, you know, her, her torso. It's she, all they use is that tiny little bit of face um, that, that we get um, kind of throughout the film. Um, everything else is visual effects, and you know, you forget about um, all the backgrounds that the building that they use is actually a hotel in in like a, in, a, in a city somewhere. So they've stripped all that back and kind of created their own kind of universe. And um, you know, while obviously the likes of Star Wars and um, Mad Max do that as well, you know, both of those are kind of relying on location a lot of the time. Um, I suspect to to kind of um, use that as kind of their backdrop, whereas Ex Machina is almost completely digitally created. Yeah, I, I, I think that it was up against some stiff competition, so it did well to win here. Mm, absolutely, but, but I, yeah, I can I see virtue in that definitely. And it was it was a good film, you know. It was a I didn't I didn't love it as as much as as, as some people, but I think it was a, it was a really interesting movie, and it was a very defiant movie in terms of what it was saying. So I, I think. Yeah, I think it's nice to see it pick up something really. Yeah. Um, best animated short. We didn't vote for this one, um, but this was a uh, a list with um, Prologue, Sanjay Super Team. We can't leave without Cosmos, World of Tomorrow, and Bear Story, which eventually won. I haven't seen any of them except Sanjay Super Team because that was in front of uh, Inside, Inside Out, Out, I think. And yeah. I thought that was really nice, and I, it's a shame that didn't win actually. Um, but have you guys seen any of these? Other than no. Sanjay's, no. Um, but um, yeah, Bear, Bear Story. Um, little, another little tidbit is that it was the first ever Chilean film to win an Oscar. So there we go. Oh, that's nice. Mm. That's good. Good. Well done, Chile. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, yeah, there's diversity in a nutshell. Um, best animated film. Uh, we all said Inside Out, and it was it was always a slam dunk again. Yeah. Really, this was up mm. against Anomalisa, Boy in the World. Shaun the Sheep, the movie, and when Marnie was there, so not a particularly strong amount of competition, and yeah, there was no seeing past this, was there? No, I, th- I no. think I think when Marnie was there was probably the only competition it had. Um, being, I wanted Shaun the Sheep to win. Being a, <laughs> well, be, be, being the final Studio Ghibli film, I thought maybe 
but I just it was it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, a kids film you know it, this and it wasn't just you know it goes past being best animated film there were lots of people that said it should have been nominated for best film as well yeah um, and I you know I, I couldn't I couldn't argue with them um, you know it was a fantastic film that kind of um, transcended being just a kids movie um, ultimately it was released at the same time as Minions well they were in the same kind of um, season um, and I remember remember having minions on in one screen and inside out on in the other and seeing the, the reactions of the parents coming out of both films the complete opposite you know coming out of minions mm. being mm. almost feeling like they've been unbearable unbearable excruciating pain and <laughs> teeth pulled out um, and coming out of inside out enjoying it probably more than the kids they were taking yeah. um so yeah no it was yeah a definite winner it's good i'm glad it did the next category is for me the most contentious this is best supporting actor now the nominations for this one were Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Mark mm-hmm. Rylance for Bridge of Spies, and Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Now, uh, Chris and I both went for Stallone for Creed. Mm-hmm. Dan, you went for Mark Ruffalo. I did. Now, Mark Rylance won. Now, I haven't seen Bridge of Spies, but mm-hmm. I have seen... I haven't seen The Big Short either, but I have seen Spotlight. And much as I wanted Stallone to win, because he, he was great in Creed and he deserves it... Mark Ruffalo was brilliant, and I can't believe that this went to Mark Rylance. Mm. I, uh, I'm disagreeing with you on the Mark Ruffalo thing. I thought it was all for it. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I really liked him. The, the, the thing that got me about Mark Ruffalo is it sort of reminded me of Simple Jack, since he was doing it for, seriously. <laughs> you know, with that lip quiver and that weird accent, and he was doing... And he was yelling a lot as well. Mm. And I was not very surprised when the clip that we used was him in the office saying, we need to release it now, blah, blah, blah. It was such an obvious performance. It was quite an Oscar-baity performance, in my opinion, and I just didn't like it. Whereas I have seen Bridge of Spies, and in all fairness, again, I I, I chose who I thought would win, but I think Mark uh, Valance deserved it. It He was fantastic in that film. I, I think Stallone, um, you know, it was the public opinion, wasn't it? Um, mm. I think, and I think people were backing him. But, but actually, if it comes down to, you know, acting, and then that's what this should come down to, um, you know, obviously Mark Rylance kind of blows Stallone out of the water. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, give give Stallone a, a Shakespeare. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Is it, it would so. be amazing. That, 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 that needs to happen. Him and Arnie. Yeah. And Carl Weathers do yeah. like Hamlet, Hamlet. or something. <laughs> yeah. To be or not to be, not that to be. Not to be. <laughs> that would be. Back. Oh, please! If anyone's listening, please. I would then, die yeah, a then, happy man. Yeah, the, the National yep. Theatre should make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame their 50th anniversary just went because that would have been the uh, icing on the cake, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, no, but but um, Mark Rylance, I can't dispute him in winning. He, he he gave Tom Hanks a run for his money, and if, if you know that's saying yeah. something, um, uh, Tom Hardy shocked he was even nominated because he was appalling in The Revenant. Um, Christian Bale, fair enough. Um, you know he he was good in the role. Well, he's he's, um, he's he's been in a film, hasn't he? So they will nominate Christian Bale. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's the Jennifer <laughs> yeah. Lawrence effect. You know, yeah, they've yeah. done a film, they get nominated. Yeah, um, but I. I just think that Mark Ruffalo did, did really well and, and I, I don't necessarily know if he'll get the opportunity again um, particularly for you know 
Um, you know, in the, in, at the Oscars. I don't know. Um, Thor, Thor Ragnarok no, is no. coming up. Oh, that's the big one. I'm sure Buffalo will get nominated again. This is like his third uh, nomination about four years, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, about say he's been nominated three times now for this one. So I'm sure he'll be there again for a fourth time sooner than later. Yeah, oh, yeah I, forget, I forget he was in Foxcatcher, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, and the kids who are right was the other one, I believe. Yeah, for. yeah so yeah, yeah I, I suppose maybe. Um, and, I, and I guess from the opposite side of that, you know, Ryland's actually probably definitely won't get nominated no. again. Uh, no. You know, he's considerably older and actually he probably will benefit the most. From this, Stallone will be fine. You know, he's going on to make Expendables well, 500. So, yeah. um, <laughs> well, no, but, no, nobody, a lot of them there probably didn't even know who he was. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's it's even though he's one of our most distinguished actors, I do think he did a lovely, you know, dignified speech. Actually, his speech yeah. was probably the most nice and dignified one all night. Actually, so I, I was like, yeah, I didn't want you to win, mate, but I'm glad in a way because you were very nice. Yeah. So you know, um, and he seemed genuinely surprised, mm. but. Um, Skipping that, we're going to move past Best Short Documentary, because nobody gives a shit, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to all those people who worked hard, but no. Um, Don't tell me you're going to do the same Best Foreign Language Film. <laughs> <laughs> all these foreign films. Uh, we don't want any diversity here. This is the Oscars. Um, <laughs> best, uh, best Documentary, we didn't actually vote on, strangely enough, but um, that was between Cartel Land, The Look of Silence, What Happened, Miss Simone, Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom, starring Jared Leto, and not not oh. really. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the winner, which was um, which was Amy. Now, yeah. by, now I think that was perfectly right. I thought Amy was mm-hmm. one of the best films last year, and I was really happy to see that win. And I think it was always going to really. Yeah, I, 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 I think the look of silence is very good. Um, that's it's actually on Netflix at the moment, so if anyone wants to check that out, yeah, I. Yeah, I saw uh, Look of Science last week, which is very good. Yeah. I've not seen Amy yet, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, and uh, I've heard what happened with Simone is, is supposed to be very good as well. Yeah, me too, yeah. So that'll be, uh, those will be interesting to check out. Best short film was um, Ave Maria, Day One, Everything Will Be Okay, Shock and Stutterer, which won. Any, have any, any of you seen these? Nope. Yeah, yeah, of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> I did my homework. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, okay. unfortunately not. <laughs> well, well done, Stutterer, but we'll move on. Um, best foreign language film. So this is uh, Embrace of the Serpent, Mustang, Thebe, A War, and the winner, which was Son of Saul. Now, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a foreign language film buff at all. I don't really watch them. I'm not particularly interested. Do any of you? I, I have a foreign language buff, sort of, but it always takes me about five years after they've released what you've seen, so... <laughs> Hey, ask me again in uh, five years' time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll ask you again which one should win, um, and then we'll surprise you by telling you the son of soul. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, from what I from what I've heard, that was pretty nailed on. Um, it, it picked up most of the um, the kind of big awards um, in that yeah. category. Um, I think it picked up the Golden Globe and the BAFTA as well. So I think it was pretty nailed on. Oh, fair play. Um, well done, son of soul. Um, then came Best Original Score. Now, this one was uh, between Thomas Newman for Bridge of Spies, um, Carter Burwell for Carol, uh, Johan Johansson for Sicario, John Williams for Star Wars The Force Awakens, and the winner was Ennio Morricone for The Hateful Eight. Now, Chris and I both uh, said Morricone. Um, Dan, where do you sit on this? Um, I didn't really have an opinion, <coughs> Sorry, I didn't really have an opinion but I, I'm glad um, it, it went to who it did. 
Yeah. Um, because I, 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 Thomas Newman and John Williams are, are fantastic composers, but they've they've had their time and their day, and they've they've won enough of these that it's nice to get somebody a bit different. Yeah, I, I, I was I was really glad that Morricone won. You know, we did a on the composers. Uh, this is a shameless plug for a, a previous Black Hole Cinema um, <laughs> episode, but on the composers we did Morricone recently. And we featured some of his music from the Hateful Eight, and you know his career is astounding. You know he's done like five hundred scores, and it, it, it's or more. It's it's remarkable. Some of the music he's done has he's been wonderful. And even though this isn't his best score, of course, it's great to see him nominated and great team win and uh you know in any other year i'd have probably gone for john williams but his score for the force awakens was very good but it wasn't classic star wars so no um it, no. it's it, at the end of the day it's, it's the first time um Morricone's won uh, an academy award uh, he had an honorary one back in 2007 mm. but for an actual score it, you know it's the first time so um, yeah i think that that's I think that's that's the right person. To yeah, give it to. but it was yeah. but it was good enough as well. That's the thing. It wasn't oh, yeah. just yeah. It was yeah. it was a really great, really good score. Um, we'll skip best original song because um, <laughs> we talked about that. We already. did that earlier. Although, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah, we, that song is like a bucket of wet piss. Moving on. Easily the best description of that song I will ever hear. Uh, well, that's the tagline now. That's the tagline. Bucket of Listen to piss. the Black Hole Cinema. <laughs> I needed a tagline actually. That's perfect. Like a bucket of wet piss. Um, <laughs> moving on to um, the first of our um, final four big ones. This is Best Director. So this was between Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road. Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu for The Revenant, uh, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, and Lenny Abrahamson for Room. What did you go for, gents? I'm not going to pronounce his name, but for, uh, for Revenant. <laughs> How about you, Dan? Um, I think I put Alejandro as well, but I can't remember. Did I? Um, <laughs> you didn't, actually. We no, all, I didn't. We, we no, all... I went... We went different, didn't we? We all went I different went, ones. I went Adam McKay. You did. You went, you went Adam McKay, and I said George Miller. Um, mm. I'm not surprised that... No. In a re two one, and in many respects, I don't mind because I think well, I came out of this thinking that the Revenant pretty much won where it should have won, and you know, mm. it, it, much as I would have, I think George Miller more than deserved it for Mad Max. Yeah. I think that at the same time, the Revenant was a beautifully shot film. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I just think it's it was really a bit of a gutless decision. Miller should have won this tonight because he's he's never probably going to be up here again now. No, you know he's going to go off and make Happy Feet Six probably next. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah. Know. I think that you know the thing is is that um, in year two won last year as well. Um, exactly. So yeah. To, to kind of win it two years in a row is a, a you know a, a feat that's not been seen since the nineteen thirties. Yeah. Um, and um, he wasn't in a, in a tough category. Um, you know the fact that we all picked different people. Um, you know is is. Um, you know, kind of says it all, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, those categories, you know, best picture, best director, and and best writing, they're so tightly um, kind of connected um, that usually, you know, your top three or four films it usually nicely spread out across those categories, and that is exactly what happened um, pretty much this year. Um, and usually, best writing gives you. Um, Kind of an idea of who's going to go on to best film, uh, is, yeah, best picture. It's not, it's not 
not the norm for best picture and best director to be the same film. Mm. Um, it's, you know, usually spread across. So I I would prefer him to win best director because I didn't want it to win best picture. Um, yeah. However, it was the weakest film in that best director category by far. It's in, it's interesting because it is it is it was a tight one. You know, that I think all of them. A lot of these main ones, in many respects, have been quite tight. Although, Best Actress, I'm not so sure about because this, this this was an interesting one. Best Actress was Kate Blanchett for Carol, Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and um, Cersei Ronan for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm very happy I said her name right because um, <laughs> I've got I've always got it wrong. Cersei Ronan. Yeah. Cersei Ronan. Um, for this one, we all said different ones again. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, you went for Kate Blanchett. I went for Brie oh. Larson, and Dan, you went for Jennifer Lawrence. Just because I love her, I felt that someone should give her a vote. <laughs> uh, I don't think she deserved it, but you know. <laughs> oh, I think uh, with, with uh, what I put down again, I went for who I thought would win, but mm. I thought Brie Larson was the yeah. best. Mm. So. I was uh, overjoyed because she. I mean, obviously, she won the Golden Globe, didn't she? I think as well. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, she. For me, I couldn't. I couldn't see Pasta for this. I, yeah, I think Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lawrence, they're both fantastic actresses, but I think Carol and Joy were substandard films. Um, um, Saoirse Ronan, she'll have her time ten times over. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn was a lovely she, film, actually. Yeah. And it, it was, um, it, she was great in that, but yeah, not quite. Sure. Charlotte Rampling, um, after her comments <laughs> before running off to the Oscars, she was never going to win. Yeah, she shot herself Any, in the foot. Anybody, anybody that put money on that before she said those comments probably thought, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a cash out early, please? <laughs> uh, she wasn't, she wasn't going to win anyway. You'd have been no. an idiot to put your money on her. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. was, uh, I remember when that film was on. Even the target audience were falling asleep. <laughs> um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad I didn't put myself through that. And, and Brie Larson, you know, she, she was very good. Um, uh, I'm not necessarily sure what it will do for her, though. Um, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think, whereas I said, uh, Sarosa Ronan and Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, will see their names probably multiple times in the next 10 years. I'm wondering whether we'll ever see Brie Larson's name in that category again. I suppose it depends on where her career goes for now. You know, I mean, mm. it, it, she she doesn't have the traditional elements that Blanchett and Lawrence do. You know, Jennifer Lawrence has that you know gorgeous ne- girl next door thing going mm. for her, and that she can she could slip into any franchise and any kind of movie. She could go from indie to mega blockbuster. Mm. Kate Blanchett kind of can do the same thing, but she has that kind of old school you know elegance to her in that she you know she can she can do. Things like Carol, and then you know, rumor to be had, she's going to be the villain in Thor Ragnarok. So mm-hmm. she she can she can flip between these things, but she has that sort of you know class to her. And you could you could say the same about Sersha Ronan actually in, in in years to come. That might come with her. So Brie Larson's a bit of an unknown quantity. It depends. It depends what she does. Mm. It's I, hard to I, predict. I, I think I think uh, Ronan's been very smart not to take any of the other. Um, big franchises. Well, she dodged a um, bullet with the Age of Ultron, didn't she? Because she was almost in that. Yeah, because well, it, you know, less less that, but it's more the fact that you know Jennifer Lawrence obviously got there first. Um, you know, after the kind of whole Harry Potter um, kind of dominance, um, Hunger Games was the next big thing, um, and she picked the right role. Um, whereas 
Kirsten Stewart is going to forever be known as that pouting, moody girl in Twilight. Um, Which is a shame, because she's not half as bad an actress as people make her out to be, actually. No. Yeah, I agree with that one. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Divergent. Um, I can't remember what's her name now. I've forgotten her. Uh, Je- Shailene Woodley. Sh- Sh- Shailene Woodley. Again, she's she- she's very good, um, but unfortunately, she is in a god awful franchise. Yeah, that yeah. Unfortunately, I've got to watch next <laughs> in, in in the next coming weeks. Short straw, Dan. Short yeah. straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and you know, you got you got Maze Runner. She could probably have quite easily got a role in that, and probably and. But she might have even raised the bar in that, um, in the fact that it would have taken that film to the next level. But again, it's kind of one of those ones that just jumped on the back of Hunger Games as success. And actually, it probably would have uh, harmed her career more than not being in those. Mm. Um, she can kind of go on now and wait for that franchise to come along. Um, you know, I think the one franchise that actually would have propelled her even further um, would have been Star Wars that would have been probably the only Mm. one that wouldn't have done her any harm but yeah it'll be interesting to see where a few of these go definitely um, Brie Larson and Saoirse Ronan for sure but um, not the the strongest best actress actress category really I don't think of of years gone by Um, best actor then was Matt Damon for The Martian um, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl Brian Cranston for Trumbo and Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant who ended up winning so we you and I Chris both said um, Leo and you went for Michael Fassbender didn't you Dan? I did I I went for who I think when I picked my picks generally I went for who I thought deserved it not necessarily who I thought was um, or who I'd like to win not necessarily who I thought was going to um and this category was another difficult one um, because um, I think Eddie Redmayne kind of just got in there because of his previous success last year um, with The Fear of Everything. I don't necessarily know if he did enough to get in there above some of the other people that were snubbed. Um, and Matt Damon was actually very good in The Martian. Matt uh, Damon. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've not seen Brian Cranston in Trumbo, but he's very it's good Brian Cranston. Yeah, you know, he's he's good, he's, he's, good, he's good in everything. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio has deserved this for so so long, um, and I just think it's a shame that it's for something that's probably one of his worst films. Um, and I'm sure there'll be people that would be dis- disagreeing with that because there are people that like The Revenant, but I thought it was two and a half hours of excruciating boredom. Um, and I don't necessarily think that much acting went into it from any of them, um, unless, you know, becoming unrecognisable in the fact that you can't, not unrecognisable, that's the wrong word, um, but being unable to actually hear them if that's acting. Um, then congratulations you deserved it and so did Tom Hardy because I couldn't understand a word either of them said throughout the film um, yeah, Marlon Brando's style of acting yeah, <laughs> yeah. in fact the one that was overlooked was Will Poulter I thought he was yeah. the best yeah, thing about that good. film yeah. um, I, I, and I think the thing is with DiCaprio I mean it's great that he's got recognition and you know he deserved it for many other roles mm-hmm. so I'm really glad you know and I, I do like the guy as well as being actually a really yes. good actor yeah um, much as his climate change was a little bit drum banging, but it wasn't bad compared to some of the ones we've had before. Yeah. Um, and he does make a good point, to be fair, and he's absolutely right. But I think the thing is with The Revenant, it's it's one of those films. I, I, I 
I was hugely impressed with it in a visual scale. You know, I think it it was incredibly well made, looked incredible. I would have loved to have seen it on the big screen. Actually, I missed that. And DiCaprio's performance and the performance of quite a few of them, especially DiCaprio, it's less a performance than an endurance test. And I think mm-hmm. that the whole thing with what happened to Hugh Glass in, in the real world, even though it's not a direct you know, adaptation of what actually happened, I think it gets to the guts of that whole pure endurance. You know, the, the, the filming, the shoot, from what we hear, was, was brutal, you know, and they actually really quite suffered, almost got like hypothermia or whatever. I think really he deserved it. I think Fassbender was brilliant, and I think he incorporated an absolute arsehole really well. Matt Damon was great as well, even much as I would have put Michael B. Jordan in here. Matt Damon was really good, you know, carried away. But I think DiCaprio, for what he went through, and the kind of naturalistic acting he did, because it's not a performance performance, it's not a showy performance, it's a naturalistic piece of drama that he has to endure. I think, you know, I think he deserved it for that, it's not, it's not his best role in terms of what he can do as an actor, but I think to not give him it for what he went through would have been a shame mm. for me. Well, I think there would have been, you know, mobs in the street if he not won, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and, and Fassbender will probably get his time again. Oh, he will. Uh, He'll get one. You know, he's, he's very careful. He very carefully picks his roles. Um, and Assassin's Creed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, even though he's immersed into these franchises, X Men, Assassin's Creed, um, you know, being two, and I'm sure there will be another one. Um, you know, he has he he's, he's continued to do good work um, around those. Um, you know, going back to, to doing stuff like Shame, um, and you know, he will continue to do it. Um, but from somebody that's such a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, I just want I wanted. You know, particularly if it's his only, if this is his only Oscar, then I will, I will die very unhappy <laughs> um, because I think he, he's capable of a lot better. Um, and you know, roles he's nominated for, roles he wasn't nominated for in the past, um, he gave better performances. And I, I completely appreciate your point. Yeah, the endurance is incredible, um, but you know, the crew. They 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 had our they, it was cold for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, um, it's a good point. It's it will be an interesting one to debate really in terms of that. But um, yeah, it was a good category. It was a good category with some strong you know people in there. Um, finally, then best picture, which is the big one, the big final one. We all had different ones for this. The the, the nominees were the Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, which I went for. Uh, the Martian, The Revenant, which you went for, Chris. Room and Dan, you went for Spotlight, which was ultimately the winner. And I've got to say, I was quite shocked and pleasantly shocked, admittedly. But I was, I didn't think Spotlight would win this. I thought, I thought this was going to be The Revenant. I wish I'd put money on it because I, I was quite sure. Um, but, I, but as I said previously, I, I did pick what I think in my opinion was the best and what I would like to win um, so um, you know this was one of the categories where actually I was I was quite sure it would, it would go on and win it um, as well particularly because as I said I was just I'm just so anti-revenant that I was trying to convince myself that it wouldn't win anything um, that was foolish because obviously it was going to win something but I'm glad it didn't win best picture Chris are you are you pro-revenant then? well yes yeah I'd say out of all the films nominated Revenant's probably the 
my second favourite film of them all because Room was my favourite overall. I just thought it was an incredible uh, piece of cinema, basically. Mm. And everything's done said, I'm the opposite, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you not arguing with me then? That is why I've got you both on. That's why it's perfect. I'm the middleman. I'm about to say, I I thought uh, the performances were great. well, it's sort of been like it's one of the cinematography for a reason. I just think it's just such a well put together film that I thought it deserved it, and I thought it was going to win. And I lost quite a bit of money on it, betting on it. So I'm quite mad. <laughs> oh, about dear. It didn't win. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said Fury Road, but I didn't really think in my heart of hearts it was going to do it. I just wanted it to do it really, but mm. I'd seen Spotlight just a you know, last week, and I was blown away by it, really. I thought it was tremendous. And and I, I was, you know, better than The Revenant for me. And I was, you know, not better than Mad Max, because that's still my favourite film of last year, but I think it's a very, very different film from either of them, really, especially Mad Max. Um, and for what it said and what it did and for some of the performances, you know, I was, I was, I was delighted to see it win, really. And, it, you know, there could be an accusation that it won because it was about something very, very, you know... Difficult, close to the bone. It again can make a point. You know, Mark Ruffalo went and hung out with people who'd been abused just before the ceremony. That kind of thing. But I think it, I think it, it, it had merit to win. So I'm quite pleased. Although you know, it was it was a good category. It was a good set of films in here. There was. I'm not sure The Martian deserved to be here really, but it good as that was. Um, um, the thing is, it brings a different um, kind of slant on it. Um, you know, Spotlight, The Big Short, um, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, The Revenant Room, they're all kind of serious films. Um, and The Martian, and, and I'm not saying Mad Max isn't a serious film, but... Um, it's, it was not, know, a, it's so, not a serious no. film, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so those two are there from that kind of... You know, the Golden Globe, they split it in two on purpose. Um, you know, the, the Oscars doesn't have to do that because it can have up to, I think it's nine nominations. Yeah. Um, so it can afford to kind of put in those films that they're not going to win, but they can go, you know, they can be nominated. And, you know, that that's a shown of appreciation in itself. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's true. I think that's very yeah, true. I think this is the first time that two fil- live action films have been nominated for blockbusters as well. Mm. Am I thinking that? You no, know, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know 2010 was Inception and Toy Story three, but I'm not sure you can count Toy Story three for being mm. animated. But I think this is the first time where there's been two blockbusters in there, which. I think it's quite interesting that we've done that. I thought it would have been one or the other. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got to be honest. I, I do suspect that if Mad Max hadn't had such a wave of both critical and fan love, it might not have yeah. got in, really. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah, it, it, it sailed in through that, really, through the pressure of people going, fuck, fuck all these serious dramas. This is the best film of the year. You know? <laughs> and, you know, there's a debate. There'd be a debate among a lot of people whether it is. I think it is, personally. I think it's better than any of them. If I'm honest, but it's 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 unfair to say that in some respect because they're all very different, you know. And it's mm. um, it, it it definitely is one that goes into my um, you know best, top five of 2015. Um, and I was talking about it with someone the other day about how um, I almost have two lists um, when I look um, at best films of, of, of the year or best films of all time. I've got films that are 
my favourite and are special and that I really enjoyed for, um, you know, the pure thrill of it. Um, and then there's kind of almost a, a slightly more critical list um, where they're in there for slightly different reasons. Um, and while you go in there and you like them and you think they're good films, you don't necessarily come out enjoying them and like whooping mm. and, <laughs> and yeah, getting, getting, yeah, getting yeah. foghorns out and going on Twitter and speaking about how the best film of all time. Um, you know, I think you can have those kind of two different types of views. No, I think that's true. I think that's true. So that's another year done. Another um, another Oscars in the bag. Um, so yeah, I, I dare say. Well, I hope to think gents will be back in uh, 2017 for our uh, yeah. fourth annual Oscar special. Why not? We yeah, might, we might... We'll be here to talk about uh, Will Smith's great victory for best. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that happens. Well, <laughs> I, I do. I do think we will get more than one black nominee. You know, and I, I just, I just hope it's on merit. I just hope it's for films that are really good enough to be up there, and it's not just a PR stunt. Yeah. Well, next year it'll be the hashtag Oscars so black. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It started it's that true. right here. Started it here. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here um, first. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I've not really had a, a serious look through, um, you know, um, what you know might be coming up next year, um, you know, outside of the blockbusters. So. Um, I can't really say if there's if there's any if there's going to be any kind of performances that are going to deserve it, let alone just in there for merit. So uh, it's a bit early. Usually, isn't it? usually that does, yeah, usually that doesn't come around till like September. Yeah. So maybe I'll look at it again then. I'm calling it now. Batman v Superman. <laughs> Best picture. If Mad Max can get there, so can that. What do you mean for, for Razzie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm fully anticipating it to be a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there. That's that's for another podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks very much, guys, for joining uh, me for this. First off, Dan, where can we find you around online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Dan Thomas Taylor, um, and hopefully over the next uh, few months, I'll be um, p- submitting some blog pieces um, for the Black Hole Cinema blog. That'd be great if you do. Looking forward to those. Chris, how about you? Where can we find you? Well, I keep deleting everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I keep having to unfollow random yeah, people. You never know. He, he, he is, he is the, the, the shadow, Chris, I think. Yeah, I'm, yes, I, I'm the shadow of you. <laughs> Easter egg hunt. Um, but yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be back for more Black Hole Cinema um, coming up very soon. The Composers is still going on for a few more parts and we will have brand new episodes, as Dan said at the start of the podcast, coming up at the end of the month, middle of the month and the end of the month, so look out for those. And you can find us at Twitter, on, uh, on Twitter, at Black Hole Cinema, and you can find us at part of Black Hole Media, at Black Hole Media. And, yeah, just as I said before, go on iTunes, try and find us, subscribe, that'd be great, because we will be back for more, more episodes soon. So uh, until then, thanks again, gents. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.